Hello, and welcome back to Deep Lore Roll, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet for the deepest lore. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. Are you sure about that? You didn't sound sure. I was going to say punk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And today's episode is on the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Nikola Tesla. Billy, how do you describe... Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla was a Serbian-American inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, and futurist. Yeah, that's about... That about some... I mean, it about sums it up. He's responsible for modern alternating current, Mm -hmm. the electrical supply system that we use to this day. Yeah, he's kind of one of the... One of the most important inventors uh, in American history, at least. And that's taking a very localized mindset to it. I I would honestly make an argument that he is one of the the most important inventors of all time, considering the use of AC current. Yeah. uh, Worldwide. Not to be confused with AC, otherwise known as uh, air conditioning unit. Yeah, and also, you know, the whole AC-DC kind of debacle, not to be confused with the band... Yeah, Tesla, Tesla has, Tesla had an interesting life, not for the least, not, not the least for the fact that he has a lot of really rational and good and widely used inventions, but he also has a lot of inventions that are a little out there. Yeah. And it's, it's like Tony Stark levels of out there. And it's sometimes, it's sometimes a little like, hmm, you got awfully close to making that thing happen. That's definitely science fiction. Enough enough so that we're not entirely sure that that idea is actually science fiction. That might be a real thing that just didn't happen because of capitalism. So much of his inventions didn't happen because of capitalism. Yeah, a lot of his inventions didn't happen because of capitalism. Thomas Edison... We have to address the Thomas Edison in the room. <laughs> so Thomas Edison did some things and stole a lot of inventions from Tesla. Yeah. And was all in all generally a very ruthless competitor to Tesla. And like everybody, I think a lot of people have heard the story about Tes- uh, Tesla. Edison using AC current to attempt to sabotage tesla by using ac current in in the electric chair which could have worked with dc but never mind i guess edison was we we could say tesla's arch nemesis well tesla's arch nemesis was money but that's not the point yeah he constantly left bills Mm. unpaid and had to hop between I mean he had he had other things to do. He was inventing stuff. He was busy making everybody's life easier. <laughs> and also neon signs, I guess. I you know what? Perfect segue. I can talk about the neon signs. Oh man. Alright, what what's up with the neon signs? So while he didn't directly make fluorescent or neon lights, mm-hmm. he did look at them and go, You know what we could do? We can make signs out of that. Yeah, you can you can thank Nikola Tesla for all your uh, 
open and close signs on the outside of bars. It's it's interesting. Like, and I think that speaks to Tesla's, I guess, creativity. People had thought of using neon or or people had already invented fluorescent lights. People had already thought of running a current through neon to make lights. But Tesla was like, hey, you know what would be kind of neat? If we made the thin tubes inched into shapes and words. You know what would be cool? If I could distinguish which one of my pubs is the favorite. <laughs> Did you find Tesla's patent for his flying machine? Probably. <laughs> You can actually find online. I don't know if this is true for all patents filed for, through the U.S. Patent oh, Office. Oh, that one. But you can find patents, like Tesla's patents, online just to look at. And there is this really neat one-man aerial transportation, which kind of, kind of is, if anybody is a big Star Wars fan and knows of the Slave One, kind of imagine if Da Vinci made the Slave One. Right. It's got like propellers and wheels and stuff for the but the pilot sits in the in the contraption with the steering wheel like above his head and the propeller above his head to take off. And then once they actually get off the ground, it's supposed to shift so that they can fly forward more like a modern or modern, more like uh, a biplane kind of look. Yeah. To to describe this. For our listeners, picture a biplane, a biplane, take the tail end of it off. So you just have the wings and then put it vertically. And that's what we're looking at right now. It, it's it is a pretty wild, a wild invention. And it's a little sad that it never yeah, got to the point where it could work. Although I suppose it also is not terrible because of like all of the air traffic would be. Hmm. I think part how? of the reason, aside from aside from economically speaking, how difficult it would make it it would be to make these these vehicles commercially viable. But man, like you, there are a lot of uh, rules and things you have to follow when it comes to air travel. I'm I'm looking at this. Does it not have a tail rudder of any kind? I don't. It doesn't look like it does. But then again, I also this patent. It's a patent. Here, I'll, I'll read a little excerpt. The invention consists of a new type of flying machine designated helicopter plane, which may be raised and lowered vertically and driven horizontally by the same propelling devices and comprises a prime mo- mover of improved design and an air screw, both especially adapted for the purpose, means for tilting for controlling its operation For the purpose, means for tilting the machine in the air, arrangements for controlling its operation in any position, a novel landing gear, and any other constructive details, all of which will be here and after fully described. That's one sentence. That's, this patent is the designed, designs for one of the first vertical takeoff vehicles. Mm Mm-hmm. It would have to have been. Tesla Tesla was up and doing let's see this this patent was filed in 1927. There was record of one before it by Da Vinci. Wow. We really went we really jumped from Da Vinci to Tesla. That was I wonder if Tesla took inspiration from Da Vinci. Probably. Cuz it it does have some similarities to Da Vinci's flying machine like some characteristics. 
just kind of the the shape of it and the way the propeller like the yeah. corkscrew propeller design i don't know i hope he planned for some sort of tail rudder because that thing would be a pain to fly without one yeah well and that's i think that's a lot of a lot of his inventions or at least the ones that didn't take off <laughs> sorry they seemed waka waka uh <laughs> they seem to have like little things like that little things that he, tesla's not around so we're not a, a, around he, like we can't just ask him hey how did you solve for this problem like one of Tesla's most famous failed inventions, the wireless energy thing. Oh. Warden Cliff Tower. Oh. I have something. I have a. I have an invention of his that builds off the wireless energy. He he made a lot of his inventions to build off of that. So like, okay, so you've got the Tesla coil, right, which generates high amounts of energy like high amounts of electricity yeah we all have seen a cool tesla coil if you haven't look it up they're pretty neat uh it's basically a big old tower that shoots lightning everywhere tesla created a thing it's basically like a cage around to put around a housing to put around the tesla coil which would through some scientific means that i read and researched but still don't fully understand basically made it so that that created a like a a potential dif a differential uh in potential energy and allowed an electric current to flow without wires great in theory in 1901 tesla built a 185 foot tall mushroom shaped tower on the north side of long island capable of transmitting messages, telephone, and images to ships at sea and across the Atlantic Ocean by using the Earth to conduct signals. Like, literally using the ground yeah. as one big wire, more or less. There were some problems with this design, but at least when Tesla was inventing it, no one really... The only thing we know is that the person that Tesla was securing his finances from backed out of the project. Like, Tesla just stopped receiving funding. We don't really know why, and most people assume it is because this... So basically, ignoring any potential problems with this, if we successfully managed to create this sort of wireless energy source, there would be no way to bill customers for energy usage. Yeah, like you've got a meter on your house that reads how much like how much energy you're using. And that is how the electrical company bills you. Um, I never liked that as the final answer, not because I couldn't see it as being a possibility, I think anyone who's lived in this country and is in, you know, their and is over like 20 years old knows enough about this country to say, yeah, if if it's uh something that would cause a company to lose money, they wouldn't fund it. Yeah. Or not lose money, but if if the company couldn't get couldn't make money off of it, they wouldn't fund it no matter how beneficial it would be to humanity. But I think there are there are other problems with this. 
Because I'm I'm just thinking of, you know how sometimes when you're in a like an office building and you've got all of the like computers and stuff running and everybody's sending emails everywhere, how it can be harder to get a connection like, yeah, like actually get a signal. There is such a thing as interference. And I, I really think running that much current through the air. That much electricity through the air and through the ground would cause, like, widespread radio blackouts. I I can't imagine that this would be able to... I can't imagine that this would be able to function without interfering with the framework that we already have set up. But I did do some further research into this, and from what I can tell... While money is certainly a big issue, people have done some experiments to further this wireless energy idea. And what they can what they kind of get is that there are a couple problems. One, it's short range, relatively speaking. It the energy just dissipates fast enough that it would be challenging to make this commercially viable in a sense of not necessarily making money, but it would be very expensive to run this. And also, it works at about 60% efficiency is what I was seeing, which ain't bad. No, it was 60%. Okay, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That 60% was another thing. Um, I think it was 70%. It works at about 70% efficiency, which is not bad, but it's not quite as good as copper wiring. Yeah. And so the biggest the biggest benefit for something like this would be in places where the cost of setting up the infrastructure to transmit energy would be so high as to make energy make it not worth make it not worth it that 60% comes back into play where they're talking about getting energy from a certain location to a nearby island which setting up this wireless energy system would cost about 60% of what it would cost to put an under uh, an undersea power line basically and that's kind of where the benefit to this would come from but you you said you found an invention that builds off of this wireless energy thing what did you find billy coming back to the to the sky and the idea of flight tesla started developing the blueprints for a supersonic aircraft that would travel eight miles above the surface of the Earth. It would generate enough speed to allow passengers to travel between New York and London in about three hours, which on paper sounds amazing. That's pretty fast. Except his concept called for the aircraft to be powered by electricity transmitted wirelessly from power plants on the ground. Yeah, that's going to cause some problems. And also... Do you have a number on that speed? Uh, I do not. Because traveling from London to, from New York to London in three hours. Let's look up how, how fast. <laughs> Apparently we have, we currently have a supersonic airliner in the works that is supposed to travel from London to New York in three hours and 15 minutes. And it goes 2.6 times faster than any commercial aircraft, now at a speed of 1,687 miles per hour. Hey, we got there in the end. It just took a lot more capitalism. 
I mean, to be fair, remember, we're talking about Tesla was inventing at kind of the beginning of electricity, like the widespread use of electricity and radio waves and all this stuff. He he didn't have the benefit of all of the rest of the technology that we have developed up until this point. He's got some absolutely crazy ideas and some very interesting ones. And it's it is interesting to see or to take a look at how much of what we have now that mimics what he was proposing literally over a hundred, like, like literally a yeah. hundred years ago and how much of what we have today invalidates what he was proposing a hundred years ago. I, one, one uh, invention that kind of feeds to that point. Did you have more to say about the high speed? No, that was all I had. Aircraft. Okay. One of the one of the inventions that I that I found that kind of feeds into that is his thought camera. Oh, and Tesla is is quoted as, as saying, "I became convinced that a definite image formed in thought must, by reflex action, produce a corresponding image on the retina, which may might possibly be read by suitable apparatus." So Tesla's theory was that when we remember something. If the image is strong enough, our eyes will actually replicate that image to an extent. Okay. And I think the science doesn't exactly back that up, but I think it's possible that it... I think you could do something like this. Yeah. It just wouldn't look quite the way that Tesla was envisioning it. Because we, we do know from MRI and like for the brain scans and stuff that we do, that your brain, when you remember something, your brain does light up in certain ways that reflect what you're remembering. And I have to imagine that a suitable computer program could read the areas of the brain that are lighting up and the electrical signals that are being given off and create an image based on what it is what signals the brain is sending cuz your eyes do have your eyes have you've got all you know you've got the rods and the cones and stuff for seeing color and your brain interprets the signals that those sensors basically those receivers are transmitting to the brain so why not a computer right yeah the computer doesn't necessarily have to understand what it's seeing quote unquote but in theory, you should be able to transmit that signal from, like, not just from your eyes to your brain, but from your eyes to a computer, and the computer should be able to put that together. And then if you kind of reverse that process, and you're remembering something with enough clarity, I think it could work. I just, you know, I ain't really a science. I am not a I Well, I guess technically I am science, but that's not the point. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know enough of the things, you know? Yeah. That's one of the curses with, with doing all of this research is that Tesla was a very, like, he was a wickedly smart individual. And we can, you and I can overcome some of that with just modern knowledge. Because there are some things that we know that he wouldn't have known that he had to figure out. And it, it just, it helps cover that gap a little bit. But man, I just don't know enough of the things 
to say, oh, yeah, wireless energy couldn't work because this like that. That's why the yes, the interference would be a problem on this, this and this wavelength. And I don't know. I don't know what the things are. I just hypothesize, man. We've been talking about the air. Yes. I'm going to take us to the water. Mm-hmm. So he made the teleautomaton, mm. which was the first radio-controlled boat. Now, when he went to patent it, the patent office didn't think it was feasible. <laughs> so he went out of his way to make one, and then at an electrical exhi- exhibition in 1808, demonstrated it, and they went, oh, that can work. <laughs> oh, shoot, you can actually do that. Hang on. That's illegal. He then reportedly reached out to a bunch of the navies and said, hey, what if we put these in torpedoes and make men... What if we made a big one? (laughs) What if we made torpedoes that you could guide with radios? Yeah, Tesla was big on weapons, but calling them peace. (laughs) We'll eventually talk about the peace beam. Oh, the peace beam. Oh, (laughs) man. Yeah, you and I can put our heads together about the peace beam. I found an article, which I think will be very fun to take a little bit of a look into. The name of the peace beam is uh, pretty spicy. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, but that like that radio radio boat came out. He invented that several years before radio control was properly like, yeah, patented. And... Because of the debacle with the patent office and because of the him uh, having to basically prove it, he actually briefly didn't get the patent for it. It was only later when it was uh, proven that this other guy who patented it made this stuff after Tesla did. And then it was just because the patent office was was twiddling their thumbs. He, he eventually did get those patents. I, I saw a little I did see a picture of this little boat. Mm-hmm. And it, to describe it, it looked basically just like a brick yeah, with it is, a little, it is a little little motor at the end. <laughs> a little uh, little submarine looking. I saw it and I'm like, I don't think that thing could float. <laughs> it was pretty ugly. But, you know, Tesla was not a man of... Tesla's designs were much more practical. Well, he went for... The, uh, Tesla's aesthetic was much more practical. Yeah. Do you know about his steam-powered oscillator? Oh, (laughs) yeah. That one kind of went a little (laughs) sideways, huh, didn't it? (laughs) Oh, tell me, tell me about it. Tell us about it. I have to hear this story again because it's it's just frankly hilarious. Remember when I said that this man's like Tony Stark? So in 1893, he patented a steam-powered mechanical oscillator that would vibrate up and down at high speeds and to create, generate electricity. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Years after patenting his invention, he told reporters that one day, while attempting to tune this oscillator to the vibration of the building housing, his New York laboratory, he caused the ground to shake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. During the test, he continuously tuned up the power... And heard cracking sounds. Mm-hmm. Suddenly he recalled all the machinery in his place was flying around. He grabbed a hammer and broke the machine. <laughs> this guy 
accidentally. <laughs> he noted the building would have been had probably had fallen down in a few minute, few more moments if he had let the machine keep going. Oh, <laughs> he created now, an accidental I, localized earthquake. <laughs> accidentally, or like that is oh, that is one of the most mad scientist things. I'm so happy that it like actually happened, <laughs> or at least purportedly happened. Some authorities came over and. We're asking him about it, and he's just like, it was just an earthquake. Uh-huh. And, and he just, told all of his assistants, he's like, we will say it was just an earthquake. <laughs> we will say it was only that an was, earthquake. That, that was just an earthquake. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I, I wonder, I, 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 I don't think, and this is, again, without knowing all of the things, I don't think that was a earthquake earthquake. I think that was a <laughs> resonant frequency of the building yeah. that you're in earthquake, but when you're shaking a building to rubble, it, it at that point it's essentially an earthquake. I was when I was reading that story, I at first was like, okay, that makes sense. And then mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, the top of the article said earthquake machine. And when I read the first the first statement, I'm like, okay, I could see how that makes sense. That's you can that friction can make electricity. Very minor mm-hmm. amounts, but how does this play into the the earthquake portion of this story? And as I kept reading, it slowly became more and more apparent. Yeah. Tesla Tesla, Tesla was an invent first, ask questions later <laughs> kind of guy. Our scientists were too busy wondering if they could. They didn't stop to think if they should. <laughs> I, you know, I think Tesla almost always thought, yes, I should do this. Yes, I should, but... Te- I, 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 Tesla's inventions, I have to imagine, came to him like, I should invent something that does this. Now, the question is, can I? You know what we need? Wireless power. And he was right. Imagine, oh, can you imagine if we actually could do that? I'm probably, I'm, I'm 80% certain we'd probably hit another golden age of inventing. Well, because, like, think of it this way. If you just had to power one plant and everything within like a two mile radius or a mile radius or or a five mile radius or whatever got power, all you would have to do is fund these plants. Yeah. You wouldn't have to like people, our, our taxes would be probably pretty gnarly, but you also wouldn't be paying for electricity but the grid would be a weird like the grid yeah. would turn because if one power plant went down a a zone a hot spot would lose power but it wouldn't be like this weird snaking uh relay that like takes out half the country it would be that one five mile chunk yeah it would pres- it would solve some problems but also present a few yeah yeah so unless you have anything else, I feel like we should probably talk about the peace beam. We should probably talk about Tesla's particle beam. <laughs> oh, you know, Billy, scientists, scientists so often have very bad naming convent. Like they're just bad at naming things. Yeah. But Tesla really struck Paydirt, I think, with his invention, the Teleforce. 
because man, that sounds like some cool sci-fi weapon. And to be fair, this is a pretty cool sci-fi weapon. Also, Tesla, you can't just call that a peace beam. Not when you say that it's supposed to have such tremendous, quote unquote, such tremendous energy that it will bring down a fleet of 10,000 enemy planes at a distance of 250 miles. That's not peaceful. <laughs> That's not peaceful. That's mass destruction. Uh, Tell us about the particle beam, Billy. So it was a it was a military weapon that would accelerate mercury particles at 48 times the speed of sound inside a vacuum chamber and then shoot a high-velocity beam out of it. Which, initially, thinking about that, sounds a lot like a railgun. Yes, the, the concept is very much like a railgun, but instead of rails, instead of metal. Instead of metal, we're talking just a beam of energy. Specifically, the one that Tesla designed was particles of mercury. Yeah. 48 times the speed of sound is pretty up there. The, the, the press dubbed it as a death beam. Oh, yeah, because it's the press. He said, no, it's a peace beam. <laughs> that would foil attacks by airplanes and invading armies and save lives by acting, in quotes, like an invisible Chinese wall, only a million yes. times more impenetrable. It will we'll skip over the 1920s uh, racism because he's referring to the Great Wall of China, I think. Yeah. In that, in that instance. So, like, I get it. But, man... This guy had, again, Tony Stark levels of flair. <laughs> he was just out here building particle beams. This is Star Trek stuff. Oh, I, I found a, an article written in 2015 on the practicality of such a weapon. Someone actually kind of dissected everything and tried to figure out, okay, why not, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of... A lot of reasons why not. The writer of this article, uh, one Daniel Elton, uh, they do note that if you actually used mercury as your neutral particle, uh, which, okay, quick backtrack, you have to, a particle cannon, you would have to, a particle beam cannon like this, uh, you would have to use neutral particles because if you used particles with a charge on them, such as like positive or, or negative charge, Basically, the differential would generate, like, like scatter energy everywhere and more or less destroy the machine. Yeah. So you have to use neutral particles to do this. But if you did choose mercury, uh, it would be especially terrifying because not only would you boil the blood of whoever you're shooting this at, you would also poison them. Yeah. As you fire, basically, microscopic needles of mercury through them. But he, I, I was digging through this article and I found a rabbit hole. Oh. So in the Cold War era, there was a graduate student by the name of Anatoly Borgorsky. He was, as far as Daniel Elton know, uh, knows, Anatoly is the only person recorded in recorded history to be exposed to an actual particle accelerator beam. Now, this was as of 2015, so that may have changed. 
while working uh, at a at a plant in the USSR, uh, he was struck with a proton beam in his head. Ooh. He reportedly experienced a bright flash of light, but no pain. It wasn't clear what the power of the beam was at the time, since we don't know if he was hit by the LINAC injector, which would have a power of quite a bit, or the main synchrotron beam, which would have quite a bit more power, I think. I think it's more. It's hard to tell. I'm, again, not a scientist. I think that's mega. I think that might be megavolts versus gigavolts, but I don't think that's quite right. I think I'm reading that wrong. Okay, yes, the 70 GeV is significantly more than the 100 MeV. Yeah. As Daniel suspects, it's more likely that he was hit by the lower-powered beam, uh, since it's hard to believe that Anatoly would have been able to get into the main area where the beam was, while the beam was on, even if you assume for like, like assume the security was lax. The dose of ionizing radiation that uh, Bergowski received was in a word, astronomical, and normally would be fatal. But apparently, since it was confined to a small part of his head, he survived. The after effects were... interesting. During the first day after the incident, he experienced severe swelling on the left side of his head. Later, medical examination found that the beam had literally burned a hole straight through his brain. Ooh. The left half of his face was paralyzed due to the destruction of nerves, and he lost most of the hearing in his left ear. Despite all of this, his mental functions remained intact, and he managed to finish his PhD, a resounding testament to graduate student tenacity. So, the point of this is, though, this was a very high-powered... This was basically a practical test of Tesla's particle beam. It wasn't intentionally a test of the particle beam. And Tesla's particle beam would use, like, it's it's slightly different. It's built slightly different. But even with, like, ideal circumstances, he was shot in the head. He was hit with about as, as much power as he would have been able to be hit with by chance. He didn't die. And not only did he not die, but even after getting shot in the head with a particle beam, he still managed to finish his PhD. Which, again, shout out to graduate students, I guess. They will get up and go back to school even if the world is ending and they've been shot in the head with a particle beam. But boil a soldier's blood at 250 miles? That's going to take a lot of power. The machine setup that Anatoly got hit with, that that particle uh, accelerator... Was the size of a room. Yeah. The writer of this article estimates that a, a particle accelerator, a particle cannon that would do what Tesla wanted it to do, would require an estimated power of around 36,960 megawatts. Ooh. I think megawatts is that is that annotation. I'm not entirely sure, but roughly the equivalent equivalent of 36 nuclear power plants. I think megawatts is way too small. I'm not sure what that here. Let me hang on. That, what that would what a weapon. Uh, I'm looking at megawatts. So so maybe uh, yeah, I think that is megawatts. 36,000 megawatts. That that like that is an astronomical amount of power. Ugh. So there's a lot of problems 
But I understand the appeal of this because the whole history behind this particle beam, this particle cannon, is kind of interesting. So in 1934, when Tesla was apparently around 86 years old, that's when he announces in this particle beam. Come around to 1935... Tesla sells his plans for the particle beam weapon to the Soviets for $25,000. The plans are studied. We know the plans were studied by Soviet scientists, but we don't know if they constructed or tested any prototypes. I was actually going to mention that. Would you like to continue the story? Because it gets wilder. I I wasn't going to mention... I don't have any specifics for the story, but I was going to mention that he did... He did offer the beam to numerous governments, and the only one that showed Mm -hmm. interest was the Soviets. (laughs) Yeah, he tried. Like, in, so, 1936 to 1938, roughly, uh, Tesla is apparently recorded as offering to sell his designs to the British government for, like, $30 million. They take a few years to talk him back and forth, but ultimately the British government declines Tesla's offer. In around... Hmm? Imagine if the British, if they actually made that. I I know. In 1937, Tesla claims to a reporter that his apartment was broken into and that his papers were examined. But he, especially later in life, his mental health kind of started deteriorating. And I think already he was, especially after dealing with Edison, he was a little paranoid. Not necessarily in a mentally disturbed paranoid kind of way, but like in a completely rational sort of paranoia. Yeah. After Edison stole his designs, uh, tried to use his inventions to sabotage him, and also offered Tesla $50,000 to revamp and upgrade Edison's power plants, jump cut to Tesla comes in with the new inventions, and Edison's like, oh, I wasn't, you don't understand our American humor. I wasn't actually going to pay you that $50,000. Anyway, the papers were, his research was examined, but there were some critical details about the weapon that Tesla didn't write down because, you know, of course not. 1939, in the beginning of World War II, he had, Tesla attempts a, to gain funding to build his particle beam weapon from the U.S. government, but they deny him. It's in 1940 that he names his weapon the Teleforce, In 1943, when Tesla died, the FBI used the Office of Alien Property Custodian to seize Tesla's papers and research. Now, officially, this was researched, declared that the papers uh, do not contain any new information which would constitute a hazard in unfriendly hands, and then were deemed safe to be released. Hmm. In 1940, uh, still in 1943, Tesla's papers are released from the FBI custody, are quickly seized and locked up by the New York Department of Taxation, since Tesla had a large outstanding tax obligation, and that was the last we saw of those papers. In 1945, one Blois Fitzgerald, an, an army private, contacted the FBI to ask for Tesla's papers, claiming that he's heading up on some kind of top-secret research project at Wright Field. The FBI says it doesn't not it doesn't know of any Tesla papers or microfilms held by it or any other government agency. And so, you know, 
Man, mm. conspiracy theories abound. Put on your tinfoil hats, everyone. It looks like the papers, actually, it looks like the papers may have resurfaced briefly. Uh, in 1951, oh. the Yugoslav government pays Tesla's back taxes, and the Tesla papers are shipped to Belgrade to be part of the Tesla Institute Museum. Well, Billy, that's a lot about Tesla. Yeah. It's that I think that was the most overlap our research has had in a while. Yeah. I again we we don't we don't talk to each other beforehand so that we can kind of have the most natural flow of conversation during these episodes during recording because we definitely do all these episodes in one take and uh sometimes that can be interesting. But I'm glad we we had enough stuff to talk about between the two of us. Um what would we call the deepest lore here? Uh, I mean, personally, the earthquake machine. I think the earthquake machine is hilarious enough to, yeah. This dude makes a device to attempt to generate electricity and accidentally almost rattles his research building to pieces. It That is, it's just, that's such a... Remember that scene in in the first Iron Man movie where Tony Stark is testing out his Mark II or whatever the silver suit that he made right after the right after the basic one. That's Mark II. And he hits the accelerator on his jet boots and immediately like splats into the wall behind him. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to he's trying to land on the roof of his house in the newly completed Mark II suit after his first test drive. And he crashes through the floor, through the piano, through the floor, into the car. That's the same energy as this invention. As this dilemma. (laughs) The police showing up are, is exactly the same as when Tony Stark's getting sprayed down by the... (laughs) The little robot arm turns and shoots him with the fire extinguisher. (laughs) With the fire extinguisher. So you're thinking the earthquake machine. I'm liking the the particle cannon. The peace beam? The peace beam. If only because it's just so wildly out there. It's a particle can like we have particle beams are something we still use in sci-fi media. Like it's it is still a sci-fi staple. We use laser beams a little more now, but I don't know. Listeners, as always, the deepest lore ultimately is up to you. Feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter at DeepLorable for any topic suggestions or tell us what you're what you liked as the as the deepest lore and tell us about the things that we didn't we didn't find. There's so much stuff out there whenever we do research on these topics and I know that there are some fun conspiracy theories and inventions and things that Tesla did that we never touched on Tesla in his later years, his physical and mental health started to deteriorate just from stress and overworking. And while that is definitely uh, sad, it's also when you have that intelligent and that creative a mind start to go like that, it leads to things like, you know, the particle accelerator, which is just a wild idea. But it just might work. You can also contact us at deplorablecontact at gmail.com. 
if you have suggestions or comments and just don't feel like using Twitter, although I will recommend following us on Twitter, if only because that is where all of our updates for episodes will uh, sh- will show up. As well as out-of-context spoilers in the yes. form of pictures. The spoilers without context. Thank you all for listening. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And you will hear from us next time. Nailed it. Bye. Bye.